Amen. You can be seated. Well, happy Easter to you. Thank you. Thank you. That's very considered. I appreciate that. You know, when, uh, when I was growing up, I, I grew up in a small uh, country church up the road, Bellevue Baptist Church. And uh, there we used to have the tradition. We always said, he is risen, right? And then their response was always, he is risen indeed, right? You remember that, Dad? How about that? So he is risen. Let's see if you got it. How about that, all right? We did something different with the students Wednesday, so I'll say he is risen, and uh, you say, how about that? All right, so he is risen? All right, excellent. All right, well, <laughs> I'm glad some of our students are here this morning. You know, I, I'm really, really happy to be with you, and uh, this is such a special day for so many reasons, and one of them is, like, maybe you're here with family, and, and maybe you've got Easter plans afterwards. Uh, for some of you, maybe you're going out to eat, or, or you're, you're just super excited to get home and uh, find the eggs that have been hidden. I know that's what I'm waiting on, and uh, so I, I don't know what your plans are, but, you know, when I think about family, uh, I've been married um, 11 years, and uh, we have four kids. Yeah, all right, keep applaud for that, right? Yeah, we have four kids, yeah. I did that. All right. So anyway, um, but you know, if, if you have kids and you understand that uh, you date nights are few and far between. And so recently my wife and I had a date night and uh, we have to prioritize our time. Like we can only do the things that are most important to us because it's like we have one night like, we don't know where the, the kids don't know where we are. They can't come find us. Like, we can go and we can be grownups. And so what are we going to do? We only have a limited amount of time before our babysitters will probably just leave. They'll probably just leave them. They won't care anymore. They'll just get too rattled. So what are we going to do before that happens? And so, um, so one is we know that we will always want to go to a restaurant that is not kid-friendly because we want to sit in there, and if anyone brings a kid, we want to get real judgy, and we want to start giving them the eyes. You know, you don't say anything, but you look at them like, why would you bring them in here, right? Anyway, so we do that. That's our first one. And then, uh, and then we go to the promised land, not Israel. We go to Ikea, and, uh, and we walk around. And so, by the way, if I'm ever missing, uh, number one, Angela did it, but number two, um, I could just be at Ikea, like check a, t- a top bunk somewhere at Ikea, all right? I'm probably just there because when Jesus comes back, he will come back through an Ikea, all right? So anyway, the third thing that we do is uh, we want to go see a movie. I love watching movies, and uh, if you have kids and you try to watch a movie at home, how much of the movie do you watch before you're interrupted? You get like five minutes, right? And so you watch, you might watch a movie that's an hour and a half, and it'll take you three weeks. And so we decided to go to the movie theater, and so uh, there, I said, Angel, what do you want to see? And she said, well, there's this movie out. It's called The Shack. It's a Christian movie. It's based on this book that I read that I absolutely loved. And I said, cool. There's also a movie out, Angela, called Logan. It's based on a comic book that I love. And so anyway, so we looked at the times, and, and, and they were at the same time. And you know what? Love is about sacrifice. So you know what, Angela? I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to sacrifice the pleasure of sitting next to you in a movie. You can see your movie, and I'll see mine. And we'll meet afterwards, all right? We came in the same lobby. You know where the lobby is. I'll see you out there, all right? By the way, I've got the keys. I'm, I don't trust you. You're not going to leave me. But I love movies. There's a reason why we prioritize our time. We're together. We want to go see a movie. I love movies. And it's because we all love a great story. And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks here on Sundays. We've been talking about story and, and why. We are moved by story. What's your favorite movie? Not church appropriate? I get it. All right. But anyway, whatever your favorite movie is, why is it your favorite movie? Is it because Nick Cage is in it? I know he is. I know he is. All right. I know he's in it. No, no, no. Why is it your favorite movie? Because it's a great story. There's something about great stories that move us. What's your favorite book? 
I know, don't say the Bible. I get it, all right? But anyway, but what's your, what's your other favorite book, right? Why is it your favorite book? Because it's a great story. There's something about that story that just moves you, your favorite TV show. Whatever it is, we are moved by story. And why is that? I think it's because it's in our DNA. I think our creator is a great storyteller. I mean, you think about the way he reveals himself to us. If you have a Bible or, or there might be, or, or, or maybe you've been given one as a child or whatever, I mean, what is that? That is the story of God, that he, he tells us this incredible narrative, this incredible story about who he is. I mean, when you look at the creation account in Genesis, what do you find there? This beautiful story. You find poetry. That's how God reveals to us how he started everything. It's through poetry. In Hebrews, he identifies himself as an author, right? And you look at your life. All of life, I think, follows the principles of story. I mean, look at your life. It is a story. I didn't say it was a good one or an interesting one, but I did say it is a story, all right? All of our lives are that way. And today, what we celebrate on Easter Sunday is we celebrate the fact that Jesus has entered the story of our world. Jesus has entered this grand narrative we're all a part of. He's entered this story. And by the way, it's a story he's writing, okay? It's a story that he's writing. Now, if you like great movies, then maybe you can name me some best pictures, some movies that have won best picture, right? Anyone know the movie that won best picture in 2013? Here we go. For an Ikea gift card. Oh, I know, Argo. All right, so anyway, um, so in that movie, in that movie, Ben Affleck stars in that movie, and if, if you haven't seen it, um, it's, a, it's a fantastic movie. Well, not only does he star in it, but he directs it. He directs the film, and so this story that he's shaping and he's putting together, he enters into that story, and Jesus has done the same thing. He's entered into this story that he's writing, but at great cost to himself. I want to show you this scripture in Philippians 2. We're going to put it up on the screen, but if you want to, if you want to go there, if you want to pull out your smartphone or whatever, we'll think you're texting, but we judge silently here, so it's no big deal. But in Philippians 2, verse 5, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by being, uh, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus enters our story at the cost of his own life. He leaves the throne room to come here to face the cross, right? He, he leaves being served, this royal right to be served, to become a servant. He went from a kingly life, as Annie just prayed, to the death of a criminal, right? It cost Jesus everything to enter into this story we're all a part of. Why did he do it? Why in the world did he do that? Why would, it cause, why would he say, you know what? This is worth everything to enter the story, and here's why. Because he wants to enter into your story and give you a better one. Jesus wants to enter into your story and give you a better one. And if you go, I, I don't know about all that, Jesus was not coy about why he came. Jesus didn't veil his reason for coming. He said it in John 10, 10. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. That's Jesus' words. I've come to give you a better story. That's why I've come. I've entered in. I'm going to give myself up to give you a better story. Now, listen, I don't know everybody in this room. I don't know where you came from. I don't. This might be your first time here, and it might be your last time here after today, but I know this, that Jesus says, I have come to give you a better story, an abundant life. And he has a better story for you to live with him than you ever can without him. Did you hear that? 
He has a better story for you to live with him than you can ever live without him. That's why he came. So, the, so one of our big questions that I want you to answer for yourself today, no one else, there's not going to be a, a quiz at the end. I'm not going to come up and, and say, what was your answer? No, no but a, a question for you to answer is this. Are you living the better story he has for you? Are you living the better story he has for you? Well, let me back up. Maybe I should ask this. What's your story like? Already, like where it is right now, your life, your story, what is it like? If we were able to make a movie about your life, what would your story look like? If I could, if I could just observe everything in your life, write a screenplay, we could put it up here, what would we see? What kind of story is it? Is your story fulfilling? And only you can know that, by the way. We can look at anybody from the outside, and, and, and from the outside looking in, anyone can put up a front like everything's going great, right? Anyone can pretend. Anyone can say, you know what, every, it looks like I've got it all together. In fact, in the scriptures, there's this guy who approaches Jesus, and that's exactly what he does. He's got this, this it looks like he's got everything together. You know what the Bible refers to him as? We, we don't know his name. But we don't know anything else about him. Here's what it says. A rich, young ruler. That's what it tells us about him, which is pretty much all you need to know about him. Because that story right there, that looks fulfilling. He's got everything. He's rich, all right? So he has the resources to do whatever he wants, right? And don't you wish you had that? Like, doesn't that seem like that would be fulfilling? I think about it all the time. I wish I had endless resources to take care of my family, my friends, and, you know, just, like, give them, you know, give them what they want, right? Like, my kids, when they woke up this morning, you know, at sunrise to celebrate the resurrection. No, no, they woke up this morning to, to find the Easter bunny baskets that were left for them. But when they woke up this morning, look, I wish, I wish there could have been more, right? I wish I could have given them more than, than weird marshmallows that look like demon bunnies or whatever, right? Like, I wish I could have done more than that, right? But, but this guy has that. He's rich. If you describe somebody, if, if you've got like three words to describe somebody and one of those is rich, he's rich, right? If you pick three words to describe me, sure, handsome, absolutely, charismatic, of course, right? Great dresser, yeah. Great hair, duh. But would you say rich? No. I'm just kidding about all those other things, right? But anyway, this guy's called rich, so he's got it all, right? So he's rich. He's young. So he has youth too. I mean, isn't that, isn't that a great thing to have? You have the resources and the body to do it, right? You have the ability to go do whatever you want. I mean, you think about it. Maybe, maybe now you have the money. You've always wanted to do something exciting. Like, like you've, seen, you've seen people climb mountains. You're like, oh, once I have the money, I'm going to go climb that mountain. And then you get that money and you go, I I'm going to watch a documentary about a mountain, right? Like that seems way, way better to me. But this guy, he has the money. He has the, he has the youth and the vitality to do whatever he wants. And then it says he's a ruler. So he has the power. So he could get away with it. I mean, this guy's story seems awesome. Young, rich, powerful. This guy's Tom Brady, right? Like, that seems pretty okay to me, yeah? That seems pretty okay, right? And not only that, in his interaction with Jesus, we learn that he claims, now I, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that, that he does, but he claims to keep all of the commandments. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, all the commandments, yep, kept those since I was a kid. So let's, let's say that's partially true. He's probably a pretty good guy. Again, Tom Brady, right? So he seems like he's a, he's a pretty good guy. He's a rich, young ruler, and he's a pretty good guy. And yet he comes to Jesus. Why? You got everything. Why in the world are you messing with Jesus? Why in the world? Why? Because his story could have been better. He wasn't fulfilled. 
He wasn't fulfilled. Now, everyone else looking around would have seen this guy walking up and gone, man, that dude, I want to be that guy, right? I want to be just like him. He's got it all together. What a fulfilling story. And yet this guy's coming to Jesus. Why? Because his story could still be better. And so Jesus challenged him. He says, I want your story to be better. I want you to sell everything you have. Give it all to the poor and come follow me. What does he say? Give up your riches and you're not going to rule anymore. You're going to follow. So give up these things that, that, that look like are fulfilling things and you'll really be fulfilled. And what does the rich young ruler do? He walks away sad. He, he just walks away sad because it says he had a lot of stuff. He, he wasn't ready to give it up. And Jesus said this, you have everything and you're losing your soul. What good is that? How sad is that? What a bad story that is. And so maybe you've got it all. Maybe from the outside looking in, you've got it all. But is your story really fulfilling? And again, I, I can't answer that for you. Maybe, maybe that's not the question to ask about your story. Maybe is your story tragic? Is your story tragic? Is this your story? That you're suffering? Maybe the people around you have hurt you. Maybe you've hurt the people around you. Maybe, you, maybe you've hurt yourself, right? Maybe you're, you, you, you know you're separated from God. You, you hear people talk about a relationship with him. We, we sing about, I see the love in your eyes. You can't even begin to imagine God looking at you with love in his eyes, right? You live a life. Your story is shaped by bad choices and consequences. Is that your story? Well, can I tell you another story? That might make you feel a little bit better here. There was on that day, on, on that Friday, where Jesus hung on the cross. On either side of him were thieves. And they deserved to be there. They were rightfully condemned for their crimes by the government. And they deserved to be there. And so one of them, hanging on one side of Jesus, is mocking him. Everyone's making fun of Jesus. And this guy goes, well, I'm dying anyway. And so he makes fun of Jesus. The other guy, the other thief... He defends Jesus, and then he says to Jesus, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? Now, hang on a second. What's he asking? He's asking for a better story. Now, if you're from the outside in looking at it, what does that look like? Too late. Sorry. I mean, you're nailed to a cross, dude. Like, your story doesn't get better. This is it. This is the end, all right? Fade to black. It's over. And what does Jesus say to him? Today. You will be with me in paradise. Jesus, in that moment, gave him a better story. There was no time left. That was it. That guy was dead within an hour. And yet Jesus still gave him a better story. Listen to me. Jesus wants to give you a better story. Maybe your story is tragic. Maybe there's all kinds of consequences and bad choices you've made that have shaped where you are today. Listen to me. It's not over. It's not over for you. Jesus offers you a better story. And so again, I, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, that's anyone who's accepted that new story, who's been forgiven, here's what it says. You're brand new. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. That could be said for that thief on the cross. He had an hour left to live, if that. And he's hanging on the cross, and the scriptures would say this about him. You are brand new. You have a new story. Your story was going to end tragically, and now it's ending victoriously. And the same thing for you and me. Anyone in here hanging on a cross right now? No, you're sitting comfortably in a green chair, right, with air conditioning, hopefully next to someone who smells nice. Your 
story. Stop smelling people. That got weird. I just saw people leaning over. Stop that. Your story isn't over yet. Your story isn't over yet. You have, you have the God of the universe orchestrating events to lead you here today. And what's he trying to tell you? Your story isn't over yet. Jesus is offering you a better story. And why would he do this? Why? Give everything to offer us a better story. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. Jesus entered into the world at the cost of himself to give you a better story because he loves you. And there's proof of his love for you. You go back to Philippians 2, that scripture we just read. Look at verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He died to give you a better story. We said this Friday at a Good Friday service. Self-sacrifice is the ultimate proof of love, right? Self-sacrifice is the ultimate proof of love. Jesus gave himself for you. He loves you. I told this story on Good Friday. I read a, a news article about this woman in Colorado. She was on a houseboat with her children uh, on a lake in Colorado, and her two-year-old, she had a splash, her two-year-old fell in. Um, and so she dove in. She didn't have a life jacket on or anything like that. The, she just dove in. She didn't think about herself. She didn't think about how to protect herself or whatever. She just knew she's going to save her child. Well, when she dove in, the boat continued. It continued on its way. No one heard her jump off. No one saw her jump off, and the boat continues on without her. Well, she doesn't have a life jacket on. What does she do? She holds her two-year-old above the water, and she's just treading water, holding her two-year-old above the water. Now, I, I don't know what that must have been like. I can't even begin to imagine. I know holding my two-year-old, just holding my two-year-old. I can't imagine holding him in the air. Well, they said that she did that for five minutes, five minutes, to keep her child out of the water, using every ounce of strength. By the time they got back around to her to save her child, she was already under the water. She didn't have any more strength to keep her head above water. So with her last uh, remaining strength, she was pushing her child out of the water. They grabbed the child. She was immediately unconscious, and she drowned. That's the ultimate proof of love. I don't know what this mother did for this child before this day. I'm sure she did a lot of loving things. She might, have, she might have spent some, some really special moments with that child, showing her love, demonstrating her love. But there is no greater love than for her to give herself for her child. For the rest of that child's life, they will know, my mother loves me. My mother, with the last ounce of her strength, gave her life for me. In the same way, you say, I don't know if God loves me. Look, you don't know my story. My story is tragic, and I'm the reason for it. I don't, there's no way God could love me. I have proof of his love for you. It's his self-sacrifice. Jesus became obedient to death, death on a cross for you, for you. We have proof of his love for us. Think about that. For him to enter into our story, for him to have the right to offer you a better story. He gave himself up. The king of the universe died a criminal for you. The father gave his only son. Have you ever wondered why God chose that language, right? I mean, the Bible tells us that God is spirit. God isn't, isn't like a male or a female. No, God is spirit, and yet he chooses to identify himself to us and reveal himself to us as Father, and Jesus, his relationship to the Father as Son, why is that? To give us this picture of his love for us, that God would give his only Son for us. I love my children. My oldest is sitting right here. My six-year-old sitting on the front row, still awake. Good for you. And he's right here, and I love him. And I love you guys in this room. I'm sure you're all nice people. I wouldn't give an ounce of pain to my son to save you. 
sorry. I love you. I, I give myself to save you. I wouldn't give him. Not at all. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's like, I don't think you can say, well, that's a bad pastor. No, no, no. I think that's natural. And I think that's why God chooses to reveal himself in this way. I gave my son for you. How how dare we say, there's no way God loves me. I've done too wrong or I've been here and I've been there or whatever. How dare we say that? He gave his son for us. I can't think of a stronger picture, a stronger proof of his love for us. And that's what we celebrate this morning, that he loves us so much that he wants to give us a better story. And to do that, he was willing to give up himself for us. So the big question today, will you live this better story he has for you? Now listen, don't get it twisted. You might think that the real question we need to answer today is, can I have this better story? I think the enemy would want you to think that. And maybe you're sitting there in your, th- in your seat right now and you're, you're hearing that thought and those whispers in your mind over and over again. Can this really be for me? And you're thinking, I've been too far or I've done this or I've done that and all these other things. Listen to me. Jesus gave his life to purchase the right to give everyone a better story. He has the right to give you a better story, no matter what you've done. If you don't believe me, let's look back at Philippians 2. Check this out. Verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Look at verse 9. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who has ultimate authority now? Jesus. Jesus has ultimate authority. There is no name above his name. There is no knee in heaven, on earth, or under the earth that will not bow down to him. He has ultimate authority. And so if he says that you can have a better story, regardless of where you've been, regardless of where you come from, then you can have it. There is no authority higher than him. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone. Anyone in here not an everyone? You are an everyone. Everyone. You can be forgiven. He has all authority on earth to give you a new story. On Good Friday service, we're, we're taking communion together, and this guy walks up to me. I hope I get the number exactly right. Forgive me if I don't. But this guy walks up to me, and he says, do you know what happened yesterday? My 74-year-old brother, who's been in a false religion his whole life, found Jesus yesterday. My 74-year-old brother, who's been in a false religion his whole life, met Jesus yesterday. He was saved yesterday. He started a new story yesterday. Jesus gave the right for him to have a better story. And you say, well, you know what? I still don't know if that's for me. I still don't know if that's accessible for me after all I've done and what I've been through and the things that I've said. I've been so angry with God, and and I've I've spoken against God. I've made fun of those who would even follow him. Listen to this. At the cross, there was a, a, a Roman, there was a Roman centurion, a soldier, who potentially, potentially put the nails in Jesus's body himself who potentially made fun of him himself, who whipped him himself, who held him down while they nailed him to the cross. And after Jesus died, that guy got a new story. After he killed Jesus, what happened? He believed. 
He said, surely this was the son of God. What happened in that moment? Is he in everyone? Absolutely. He helped kill Jesus, and God gave him a better story. Isn't that remarkable? I don't know who you are, but I know that you're in everyone, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So can you have this better story? Of course you can. Of course you can. So the question is, not can you, but will you? Will you live his better story for you? And you say, well, how? Okay, where do I even begin? Let's go back to Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Would you stand up and say, Lord, it's me. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? This is a picture of rescue, isn't it? Calling for rescue. Yesterday, um, my wife was, was up here, and she was helping with our, our feeding ministry. And, um, and I was at home, and, and, and I was with the kids. And uh, I, was, I was inside, and, and it's been really nice outside. You know, the weather's been really good. It's been the two weeks in Memphis that it's not either the Arctic Circle or the surface of the sun. And so we, uh, we've been really enjoying it, and we have a, um, a swing set outside, you know, one of the really big, intricate ones, um, and I, I put it together. There's no need for that in the story, but I just want you to know that. So anyway, um, we, uh, so that's to say it's very dangerous, uh, but anyway... So the kids, they just go outside. Like the back door has been staying wide open. And, um, and so they, they've just been running in and out, in and out, in and out. And so I've been in, I was inside yesterday. My, uh, my son Jude, my, my five-year-old, he runs in and he says, hey, um, Wit, that's my two-year-old, uh, he's calling for you. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, I don't know. He's just crying. He's down on all fours. And he's just saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. Um, and I said, okay. So what should I do? No, I'm just kidding. I said, okay. So I got up, and I started to walk towards the back door. And as I got closer to the door, I could hear him. I could hear him saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. So when I go out and look, I assumed he was on the ground. He wasn't. Um, we have a trampoline um, as well. Yeah, it's like a Six Flags back there. But anyway, we've got a, we've got a trampoline, and uh, we don't have like a ladder or anything for it. Uh, so we just have like a chair, you know, like an outdoor chair or whatever that we set up next to it. It's real nice. Uh, so anyway, we've got the... That's no big deal. Roll Tide. So we've got the uh, we've got the chair right there next to the uh, next to the trampoline, and my two year old is fearless climbing up onto the trampoline. My two year old is fearless once he's on it. Like he just we have the netting around it, you know. Like we didn't have that when I was kids. We just had the Holy Spirit, you know. Like catch me. But anyway, they have the netting, and he just throws himself into it, right? And he just like and we tell him to do flips, and he just okay, and he just like throws his body, like he just he kills it. But he can't climb down because he can't see the chair. You know, like it's over the lip. And so he just, he's just like, well, in his two-year-old brain, he's like, well, I guess the chair's gone. And uh, there's just nothing but lava down there. So I'm just going to sit here. So he's on the edge of the trampoline. And he's just crying, daddy, daddy, daddy. So what do I do? I push him off. No, what do I do? I go over and I, I pick him up. I just pick him up and I carry him inside. And that's this picture of calling on the name of the Lord. We're trapped in our bad stories. We're trapped and we're in need of forgiveness. We're in need of a fresh start. And, and, and what do we do? What does the scriptures tell us to do? Call out to him. Call out to him. He will hear you. Are you in everyone? Yes, you are. He will hear you. He will come for you. He will forgive you. He will rescue you. He will enter into your story. Listen to scripture, Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him. Anybody here not an all? Exactly. To all who call on him. He's near to you. He will come to you. But you know, there's another element to this calling on the Lord, not just calling out to him, but there's an element of surrender. 
Listen to me. If you want to be rescued, if you want to live this new story, you've got to let go of the old one. If you want to live this better story that Jesus has for you, you've got to let go of your old story. Listen to what Jesus himself said. If any of you wants to be my follower, what's that mean? If any of you want to be rescued, you want a new story, you want this better story I have for you, here's what he says. You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What's he saying? You let go of your old story. You want to follow me? Great, please come. You, you won't believe the joy I have for you. You won't believe the, the peace I have for you. In fact, you know the way the scripture describes the peace of God? It says it's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace beyond our understanding. We can't even wrap our heads around it. And he says, do you want that? Great. Then let go of your old story. All of, all of the, the, the ways you used to think about things, you got to let go of that. All the anger you used to hold, you got to let go of that. All the habits that got you here, you got to let go of that. And you got to go my way now. You've got to follow me. So if you want to be rescued, if you want to live this better story, you got to let go of your old one. you got to let go of your old story. So again, it brings me back to this big question. Will you live this better story he has for you? Would you, would you just bow, bow your head and close your eyes? Would you pray with me? Will you, can you hear my voice? Then I'm talking to you. Will you live this better story he has for you? He loves you. He gave himself for you so that you could have this better story, so you could be forgiven, so that you could have a relationship with him, so you could experience this new, better life. Will you live it? Then call on him. Call out to him right now. I'm not saying do it out loud. In the quietness of your heart and mind, just you and him right now. Your, your heads bow, your eyes are closed. Just focusing in on him. Call out to him right now. And you say, I don't know how. My, my two-year-old didn't learn a way to call out to me. He just called out to me. You don't need a way to call out. Just call out to him. Just talk to him. Say this. Say this. Repeat this after me. In the quietness of your heart and mind, you don't have to say it out loud. God, I need you. God, I need a better story. God, forgive me. I want to start over. I want this new life that you're talking about. I believe that you've given yourself for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Lord, I believe that, that, that what you have said is true. So God, rescue me. I need a new story. And then surrender. Just let everything else go. Maybe there are people in this room, you are already followers of Jesus. He's already given you a better story. And like me and so many other people, we keep trying to mess that story up. Maybe you need to surrender this morning as well. Say, God, we know the call. The call is to let go of our old story, not go back to it. And maybe we have, maybe we've gone back to it. So maybe you right now, in the quietness of your heart and mind, in your seat, maybe you need to let go. Maybe you need to surrender to that better story as well. 
God, thank you for being with us. I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you, Lord, for giving everything for us to have a better story, for us to be forgiven, for us to be made new, for us to have a fresh start. I pray for those in this room, Lord, who who need that fresh start. They know they're separated from you. They know that they need to be forgiven. I pray, Lord, you'd give them the courage right now to call out to you. I pray for others, Lord, who need to surrender. Maybe they've been trying to follow you and you and their ambitions, you and this sin, you and fill in the blank. God, this morning, may they walk out of here free, free of the and, and they'd surrender to a better story. Lord, we love you, and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name. We're going to reflect now in our response. I'll come back up in a a few minutes and, and, and we'll call you to a response. But, but during.